in our discipleship this year, we're going to be hitting standard bearing. Some of you don't know what that is. It's okay. I'm just putting, letting you ahead of time. We're changing the pace this year of discipleship. We're changing the pace. You cannot disciple people sat at a table. Oh, we've gone quiet now. You cannot. Discipleship is not taking notes. Disciple, that's part of discipleship, but that's not the entirety of discipleship. It's easy taking notes. Okay? What part did you do? Just write. Okay? So we've got to take you, we've got to take you beyond notes and take it into a life. So it creates a life. Amen? So I want us to, before we come in, I want us now to set the scene for where God's going to go. Uh, not just today, but so if you'd like to stand to your feet, because I want you to pray a prayer. And only pray it if you feel you can. Because if you don't, if you can't, you don't feel you can pray it and you pray, it's a lie. Raise your hands if you will. This is our kingdom come prayer. Repeat after me if you will. Father, said, repeat after me. Father, as I read and receive your word today, may it become living, active, and sharp within me. Let my heart's attitude be exposed for what it really is. May, your, may you expose my heart so that my thoughts, attitude, and opinion that is secretly hidden becomes uncovered. When you show me these things, I promise to boldly approach the throne of grace so as to give you my honest, open, transparent account of myself. Amen. Okay. As Father, as I read and receive your word today, may it, come, may it become living and active, sharp within me. Okay? Let my heart and attitudes be exposed for what they really are. We all need exposing this year. May you expose my heart so that every thought, attitude, and opinion that is secretly hidden becomes uncovered. We've got some secrets that need uncovered. Yes? Father, when you show me these things, I, prom- I won't be condemned. No, no, he's not showing you to condemn you. I will then, I promise to boldly approach the throne of grace so as to give you my honest, open, transparent account of myself. The Father loves that. And you know what? The kingdom can come in your life more and more. Amen? So that's going to be my prayer this year, that every time I come around the word, read the word, hear the word, that's my prayer. Lord, expose any attitude in me that's not right, any opinion that's not in line with you. Expose it, Lord, so I can confess it, so I can get it out the way, so the kingdom can come more and more in my life. Amen? Please be seated. The kingdom has, prob- the kingdom has difficulty trying to get into our lives because of our opinions and attitudes and because of our secrets. So I really felt that God gave me that prayer this week. I did post it on Facebook. And uh, it's going to become my prayer this, this year. For me, for my own personal life. And if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. And I'm going to pray it. Most times when we come to preach, I'll, I'll, I'll pray this prayer. Why? I don't want it to become religious. 
I don't want it to become traditional. This is my Bible. I can do what it does. I can say what it does. No, you don't. You don't do half of what it does. Say what it says. So let's not create a, uh, a creed here that we're not going to keep. Yes? Let's create something. Lord, expose me. Expose me in my heart. Amen? So, you know, we're already in January. Sorry, February. We're already out of January. That's what I meant to say. We're already out of January. One month down, 11 left. Wow. Did you see that coming? No. 2015, we're in. But you know, already, resolutions have been forgotten. They're a thing of the past. Gym memberships have been put to one side. Yeah, promises have been put to one side. It's amazing, isn't it? For so many people, 2015 will be a continuation of 2014. God doesn't want that. God does not want that. Every day is a chance. Every month is, an, is a chance. Every year is a chance to change. It is. God doesn't want you living the same rat race in 2015 that you lived in 2014. You know, it's amazing. So many of you will get pay rises this year. You go, yes, I want a pay rise to keep your head just above the water. So many of us will be in survival mode. And with the wealth that God gives us, we'll stay in survival mode. Nothing will change. Oh, more money will come in, but your lifestyle won't change. So you'll always be on, you'll just be always above the parapet, just above the water level. And if you look at your life, 212, 213, 214, 215, and we just seem to be keeping our head above the water. Is that life? So why enter into 215 to carry on the same rat race that we, we started in 2014 or 13 or 12, whenever it started? It's a sign that nothing's changing. That's not what God wants for us. Your own lifestyle, your own choices, your own decisions, and I'm speaking to every one of us, mine as well, because we're not all perfect. But at some point, we've got to stop the rat race. We've got to move from survival mode to living mode, to abundant mode. Amen? Most Christians want abundance, but they haven't learned the lessons of survival. We should never be in survival. We should never be in survival. You say you can have nothing, but it doesn't mean to say you've got a spirit of poverty. It doesn't mean to say you're surviving. Physical resources does not mean to say you're struggling. It means you haven't got any resources. But if you've, always, if you've never got resources, then that is a situation. That is something that needs addressing. We can all spend something. We can all do something and it not work out. We had the resource, but we spent it wrong. That's a different thing. That's called wisdom. But a poverty mindset, a survival mindset, is something completely different. But when we're living the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, there's only one who does that, and he's, got the one, he's the one with wisdom. But when you live the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, in survival mentality, something's not quite right. So God doesn't want us to live like that. God wants us to live with a New Year's revelation that can get us out of where we are into a greater place.
It's true. It really is true. We can't live life at the same level of thinking and expect to get better results. That's stupidity. To, to think that we will continue doing what we're doing in 214, oh, sorry, 215 and get a different result from 214 is crazy. Something has to change. And it doesn't matter how much pay increase we come, if we haven't got the wisdom to use it differently, then guess what? You'll spend it and live above your means. So we started our year, 1st of January when we first met. Well, it wasn't the 1st of January when we met, but when we first, at our first meeting of the year, to encourage you and to urge you and to implore you to look to God as God wants to give us a new year's revelation, a revelation continuously through the year. Not just one type of insight, but a New Year's revelation because he doesn't want us living the same rat race. The church is meant to be the example. The Christian disciple is meant to be the model, the manifestation of Christ. And yet if his people are bogged down, locked into the same system of this world, then God has no expression. So somebody has to rise above. But to rise above, you need a revelation of how. Lord, I can't see any way out. Well, that's a good place to start. Show me, Lord, how to rise above my, my situation, my circumstances. Show me the principles of how to rise above. So I can be a model. I can be an example. I can be the demonstration. Amen? That can lead others to transformation. So if you go in your Bible to John three thirty one, I want to show you some principles this morning. John chapter 3, 31, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth, and he speaks as one from the earth. So there is one above and is one on the earth. One that speaks from above carries a different message than the one who speaks on the earth. Yes? Flesh and blood and its wisdom, the Bible says, is demonic. Because there's only one wisdom that the saint should live by. And that's heavenly wisdom. Earthly, man's earthly wisdom is influenced by his, his experience and by the spirit of the age. Where heavenly wisdom speaks for itself. It comes from God. Yes? The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. But no one accepts its testimony or his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. So when the revelation comes in, we know that this is God and it's truth. Yes? For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. So there's the, the open access to us. There's the open access to us that we can receive the spirit without limit. And if we can receive the spirit without limit, we can receive revelation beyond limit. Amen. The father loves the son and has placed everything into his hands. Whoever believes, here we go. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remain on him. This scripture is very powerful because our revelation, the revelation that you need, think of it this way. If you are living in the rat race, it's the wisdom of this world that's got you in the rat race. 
you've followed what everybody else is doing and you've listened to what everybody else is listening to and your behavior is consistent with the behavior of the world. Is that not, is that not fair to say? Right. So and we're, we're, we're the ones who are supposed to be receiving something that's coming from above. Now, if we are the ones that's receiving something from above, but yet we follow the wisdom of the earth, then how foolish are we? Come on. Something's coming from above, but we're not receiving what's coming from above. We're receiving and following what's already on the earth. God is constantly pouring out from heaven so that there's something continuously coming from above. It's what's coming from above that takes you above the earth and it's wisdom. There's two ways to live, by the earthly wisdom or by heavenly wisdom. I'm not saying all earthly wisdom is rubbish. It's not. But it's not God. It's not God. God wants us to live by a wisdom that comes from above. That's why he sends his word. And he testifies to what he's seen and heard. But no one accepts his testimony. There's the issue. So we speak, we teach, we preach, we let people touch. But if people don't accept this testimony, how will he ever rise above the things of the earth? So there needs to be capacity within you to keep on accepting what is coming from above. The moment we shut down in ourselves and think, I can't be bothered, can't be mind working this out, then we begin to rely on what we already know. And we begin to look at what's already here. And then we begin to follow the pattern of what's already on the earth. God is keep sending things from above to keep you above. Yes? God keeps sending things from above to keep us in the above. For the one who God, whom God has sent speaks the word of God. So this morning, I'd like to think I've been the one, I'm one of those people God has sent. I'd like to think that I'm speaking the words of God to us this morning. For God gives the spirit without limit. Now, will you all say amen to that? But where's the demonstration in our lives? Without limit. So we have capacity to go before him and say, teach us how to rise above. The father loves the son. And has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, eternal life is just the start. But wisdom for life needs to come from above. Amen? But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Now, put a pin in there. Life is the issue. Whoever rejects the word, the wisdom, all that's coming from above, it will then begin to translate in your life. It's the life. Jesus came to give us the way, the truth, and the life. So the moment we, we reject his truth, we then reject the way. And the way leads to the life. The life is the result of what first started, the truth. Yes? So we can't, if we keep continuously rejecting what's coming from above, then there's only one outcome. That's why it's the fruit. The Bible says you'll know by the fruit. The fruit is the life. The life is the evidence of the truth and the way they're rejected. Think about it. It is. There's always two battles in life. You ready for this? There's two battles 
that determine victories. The battle is to win what has been lost. There's battle number one. There is a battle to win what has been lost. And the second battle is to keep what has been given or what has been won. First battle is to win back what's been lost. The second one is to advance in the one that's been won or what's been given. So when you've lost something, you need to take back old ground. The battle is to take back what's been lost. Amen. But to keep what has been gained needs wisdom. It needs a fresh word coming from above. It needs a fresh revelation so I can keep hold of what has been given. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he triumphed, triumphed, should say, over all the powers of hell, he's already won the victory. Your job now is to enforce what has already been won. But to enforce what what has already been won, you need wisdom. You need consistent truth coming into your life. Amen? Now listen, we're not just maintaining what he's given us, we're advancing. Because the moment you have a maintenance mentality or maintenance mentality, you will lose ground. God has won the victory so you can advance in the territory. Amen? You see, the old church 30, 40 years ago, the mentality was, was just to hold what had been given. And then all of a sudden, in the 70s, 80s, there was this expression, this new expression of the kingdom. And how the kingdom is meant to forcefully advance. And how the kingdom can come now. And many began to oppose this teaching. There is no such thing as the kingdom now. That mentality meant that there's only one option. Maintain what we've got. If there is no kingdom now, and I can't advance with it, and all I've got to do is just hold on to what I am, surely that will tell me, that kind of limits me, or limits after power, after glory, after job, Yes? But Jesus says, occupy your territory. Advance the kingdom. Take dominion. Take domains. Now, in the 90s, we begin to see the prophetic. We began to see how we can take cities and transform nations. And those who struggled with this kingdom now are no more. God had to get rid of that kind of theology so that the kingdom could advance. See, if the moment we stop receiving what's coming from above, we will maintain. And it becomes a tradition, and then it becomes a religion. That which is coming is, is, is ongoing. It's not, not that which has come from heaven, that which is coming. It's constantly being poured out. So there's a revelation that we can enter into of the coming kingdom. Yes? Can you see that? So what did you lose in 2.14? If that's the battle, some things were lost and some things that have been given need to be maintained and advanced. You need to ask yourself, what did you lose in 2.14? It's a fair, fair question. Did you lose peace? Well, how did you lose your peace? What happened for you to lose your peace? What rose up in your life that robbed your peace? Get it back. That's the revelation you need this morning to get back what you've lost. Come on, wake up. Smell the coffee. What joy did you lose? Who robbed your joy? What robbed your joy? Get it back. 
You can't maintain. You say you can't advance if you've got no joy. You can't advance if you've got no peace. Someone said to, said to me this week, I've not been out of sleep for two nights. Well, how long do you think that can go on? Before you're absolutely ruined and wrecked. Something is robbing your peace. You've got to go and find out what it is and then begin to get under heaven and say, Father, give me your peace. He promised us a peace beyond all understanding. I've got to tap in and labor for it until it comes. Amen? Did you lose a sense of purpose last year? I just kind of lost my way through everything. I kind of lost my way. What? Define everything. Define everything. Don't just say, oh, I just kind of, kind of. No, you lost your way. You took a wrong thought that led you down a wrong path that produced the wrong fruit. Define that door that you went through and close it. Come on. Define it. Outline it. Come on, this is a revelation just by thinking this morning. What has took place in 214? Because if I don't shut this door, I'm going to continue living this in 215. What detour did I take? What distractions were on my life? I need to do it. I lost my clarity of mind. Why did you lose your clarity of mind? What pressure overtook you? Well, define the pressure. Define the voice behind the pressure. And arrest it. Highlight it. Arrest it. I'm not, that's not going to master my life. That's not going, this is a battle that needs to be rewon, retaken, revisit it. It's taken, you haven't advanced yet. You've just taken back what was once yours. Hello? So ask yourself, does my inner peace, joy, and sense of purpose always have to be connected to my circumstance? Oh. So does every circumstance have to rock my boat? But it has. If we can define those doors, we can see that those circumstances did rock my world. So I've got to rise above and find a wisdom to rise above earthly things. Listen, we know the Bible's told us that the ship, the wind, the wind and the waves will come. It will rock the boat from side to side. We've been told that. Take heart. Why does he say take heart? For I have overcome the world. There's a way beyond it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not just because you start praying, it all goes away. I'm saying that's the key. That's the door to start rising above it. Yeah? And half the time you're asking God to get in your boat when, when he's not there. If he's not in your boat, why isn't he in his boat? That's why you're rocking. Because let's face it, when you read the story, Jesus was in the boat and he was the only one sleeping in the midst of a storm. Now that takes some kind of technology. To sleep in the midst of a storm when the others are panicking, why are you sleeping? He says to him, why are you all wooded? What do you mean why we're wooded? And he gets up and rebukes it. Now wouldn't you want that power? You've got it. And because you don't see the ship stop, or you don't, see the, you don't see the wind and waves calm down, you don't think you've got it. But you have. Do you honestly think the wind and waves just listen to you because you speak the one or two times? No. It wants to see what authority you have. It's testing you. True? 
You know when companies send you weird bills and try to charge you for things you didn't have? If you don't contest it, you've got to pay it. Right. And when you get on the phone and you contest it, do they just fold? No. You've got to show them evidence. Yeah. I didn't pay this. Well, it's not on our system, but it's flipping on my system. You've sent me two bills. My mobile phone company sent me two bills. It's like, there will be trouble ahead. One of you is going down and it ain't me. So we've got to define this. We cannot be limited by our circumstances, though our circumstances are very real. We're not denying, we're not saying, I'm not saying to you for one minute, circumstances will not come. The Bible tells us differently. Anybody who wants to lead a holy life will get the stuffing knocked out of them. That's Tony Nissen's paraphrased version. Okay, you're going to get a good kick in. But, but take heart, I have overcome, not me. Jesus is saying this now. I have overcome. Okay? So when you get a kick in, sometimes your shins need to go numb. So it no longer affects you the same way. I'm not advocating you kick everyone now and see if the shins are numb, but what did you gain into 14? Not only what you lost, but what did you gain in 2014? What health did you acquire in 2014? Define it and keep doing it and advancing it. What peace did you get into? You might say, you know, 2014 was a brilliant year for me. Well, it was a brilliant year for you. Find out what made it brilliant. Yes, it wasn't luck. Nothing happens by luck. When you do things over and over again, you don't think that you're building momentum. And then when you build momentum, things begin to happen. But you don't see that you've built momentum by obedience. Okay? Now, listen, the thing about um, uh, momentum is this. Momentum is a lying rat. It lies and it exaggerates. It tells people they're better than they actually are. When you build momentum up, you can actually stop driving the train, but the momentum will keep going. And everybody on the train thinks, hey, it's easy this. And the driver's smoking and he's on whatever he's on. He's gone for a pee or whatever it is. The train keeps going. But there comes a point when his lack of action and focus will now begin to tell the passengers. And, and the, you'll see it on the train. It'll slow down. But then all the effort then to get it back up is too much. Sometimes the moment's gone. People can't arrest it. And you have a great spiritual life and you're building and pushing. Then obviously you build the momentum and God's blessing you, but then you stop walking, but the blessings are still coming. So now you think I don't have to do as much. But you built momentum up in the spirit. And then there comes a time when you step and it's not quite the same. And you're wondering why heaven is no longer working for you. It's because you lost your momentum. You lost your momentum. That's what, listen, this is why preachers can carry on preaching and they're having affairs. And signs and wonders are still being poured out. Why? Because they built momentum up in the spirit. And we think, well, God, it's not fair. How do you let them get away with that? Well, maybe I can do that. You try it and you'll find out. The same thing will happen to you. There'll come a point when God will remove them. But for a period of time, it looked brilliant. It looked like I can do what I want. And I can turn up into church. 
Like he doesn't like Superman. True? And then all of a sudden, God goes, I'll expose you. And then the, then the ministry collapses. So what revelation did you receive last year? We had a fantastic school of the prophets. We had a fantastic year of discipleship. What did you learn? What did you receive? What did you receive? Are you receiving anything? Define what you're receiving and begin to advance in it. Come on, church. You must define what's coming into your life. Don't just keep receiving and never make a mark. You know, when I give you a check today, if I give you a check today and I put it in your bank, you're going to add it to the rest, if you've got any savings, that is. You're going to add it to the rest of your savings and you're going to know how much is in there, aren't you? Come on. Of course you are. You're going to know exactly. If I give David 500 pounds or Chris 500 pounds, they're going to go, put that with the extra two pence. Or put it with the extra two grand. Or the extra 22 grand. They're going to know how much they've got. You don't go to your bank and say, can you excuse me? Can you tell me how much I've got? More often than not, you know how much you've got. Unless you've got that much, you can't keep count of it. <laughs> then you might need somebody to tell you how much you've got. True? You know, God owns everything and he knows how much he owns. He knows how much he knows. Oh, he owns. He knows when one of his possessions leaves the earth. He knows. He's the greatest bookkeeper. So we've got to know what spiritual growth and clarity of thinking did you gain last year? What limitations and containments did you push beyond last year? Find out how you did it. Because these are important. Because this is, this is the revelation that's coming from above. Define it so you can keep in it, keep advancing. Keep accepting the testimony that's coming from above. Amen? The one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. So whenever you're under, under the ministry of God, listen to what heaven is speaking. Take, take note of what's being said. The Spirit, the Lord has given us the Spirit without measure. He's given us no reason, no excuses not to advance. It's all there. Amen? Now ask yourself, what were the deciding factors of what you lost and what you gained? And I'll guarantee it was your thoughts and attitudes. Your thoughts and attitudes will always determine which path you're going to take. Your feelings, your emotions. Everything sits on the emotions. I said this to you a thousand times. I'll say it 1,001 now. You can tell, you know, I've often heard leaders say, what are the greatest qualities of leadership? And I've heard people say a lot of things. Vision, motivation, attitude. And they're all right. They're all good. They're all meaningful. But I tell you, for me, the number one is strong, stable, emotional core. Doesn't matter how gifted you are, how intellectual you are, if you do not have a stable emotional core, everything will tip over. At some point, it will go wrong. And you know, I've never heard a leader say that. So that's my revelation. Everything sits on an emotional base. Now, everything's built on Christ, the solid rock. Christ isn't emotional. He has emotions, but he's not emotional. He's stable. So if my if my life can become as stable as it possibly can emotionally, I can go through all kinds of things and not be derailed. 
I'll always have a little bit of shake, but I can, I can control. See, the fruits of the Spirit bring in the, the waywardness of your emotions, self-control. We talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but come on, the fruits is what gives us a stable emotional core. On, those, on, that, strong, on that emotional core, God can advance the kingdom. He really can. In fact, that will go in standard bearers. As it's come to my mind, it will go in standard bearers. Remind me that, Phil. I'm going to write a piece on that. You need a strong emotional core. And what do you find in churches? Counseling, 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 counseling from the same people. It's showing you that they haven't got a strong emotional core. So we have to help them find one. So we might need to counsel and teach. Not just counsel, teach and counsel and deliver. And rebuke, come on, some counseling needs a rebuke. That's the best form of counseling you've got. Stop it. You're disobedient. Stop it. That's sometimes. Other times, encouragement brings it out. But eventually, we've got to try and bring them to a strong, emotional, stable core. Don't just get rid of the problem. Get the core stable. We don't want volcano, volcano Christians. Yeah? Yeah? You know, in the Galapagos Islands, the volcanoes, most of those islands are volcanoes. And what happens is one just erupts and rises out the sea, and it just kind of just goes crazy, and it grows different sizes. And then over hundreds and hundreds of years, or thousands of years, then it goes green. And then what happens? It starts sinking. The weight of itself begins to push it back under the ocean again. Okay, God arises, God creates something, he creates trouble, allows trouble for us to rise up. Okay, but we can't let the weight of, the, of our own pressures begin to shove us back down again. We need a strong emotional core. And everyone said? So Psalm 137 verse 1, I'm glad you asked me to turn to that. Psalm 137 verse 1, by the rivers... Of Babylon, we sat and wept, and we remembered the dream center, Zion. There on the popular trees, we hung our harps. There on the music stands, we surrendered our guitars, our keyboards, our voice, our worship. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those Dreamer-like songs. Why don't you sing, Welcome to Zion? And this is what they said. How can we sing the songs of the Lord when we're in a foreign land? When you lose the battle, when you can't maintain an advance, you lose your ground and you get taken into the wrong ground. Yes? And when you're in the wrong ground, he says, Sing us those songs of the Lord while in the foreign land. And this is what they began to sing. I forget you, O Jerusalem. My right hand, forget its skill. My tongue clings to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy, listen to what these guys are saying. When you drift and shift in life, it removes the light of God from your midst. When you drift and shift in life, the light of God begins to dim in your life. Amen? 
It's like someone is drawing the curtains on your life. And then the room, the light you did have and once walked in, now becomes dark. Yes? And you can't see where you are or where you're going. And you fall over everything. And you get hurt and get damaged. It's amazing. If you turn the lights off in your home, your own home, and you close the curtains and it's pitch black, things that you know are on in your room, you'll still trip over them without some light. And you know they're there. But what does a blind man do? A blind man learns to navigate around the darkness. He's, he's heightened, he's, he's, he's a sense, excuse me, what is it? That's it, thank you. Heightened senses tell him, move around that. That's his world. So he learns to move differently. Now, the issue is he can't get out of darkness, but you shouldn't be in it. We all need light to shine upon our path so as for us to see how much we've drifted and shifted. It's the light that allows us to see how far we've shifted. This is why this light must continuously keep coming from above because the light helps us to measure. The light helps us to understand. The light helps us to see how far we have moved. And how, listen, right now, with this light of this message that's coming into your spirit, you didn't realize what you'd lost in 2.14. Right. So now as light's coming in, you can reevaluate. It helps you to measure what you've lost and what you accelerated in. It's now bringing us some clarity that we didn't have before we walked in here this morning. True? Israel and drifted and she shifted in her affections towards God. That's how she ended up in exile. That's how she ended up in captivity. That's how you and I end up in captivity and in exile because our affections for God begin to shift and drift based on our emotional circumstances. Drift and shift. Drift and shift is one of the plagues in the church. Israel became stubborn. Now, I know there's no stubborn people here. Israel became proud. And I know there's no proud people here. And Israel became rebellious. And I know we've never had rebellious people in here. So, aren't we glad we're not the same company as them? Sure, right. And she was led into exile and into slavery because constantly... The word, let's go back, just hold your, hold your page there a minute. I'll go back to that scripture. In John 3, 31, the man who accepts it has certified that God is truthful. For the one who has sent him speaks the word of God. But he says this, the one who comes from heaven, above all, he testifies to what he has seen. But no, no one accepts his testimony. So when the prophets came and spoke to Israel about her rebellious ways, no one listened. They would not receive the testimony of the prophet. So God kept telling them and telling them and telling them and telling them and telling them. You read Ezekiel 26 through to 32, you'll be surprised in one day how many nations God wrote off. In one day, Tyre, Ammon, Syria, all those nations are gone. In one day, he said, get to the prophet to say, speak to them, they're gone. Speak to them, they're gone, you'll be no more. Because there comes a time when God says, enough. Enough. It's now or never. Yeah? It wasn't Elvis who sang that song. It was God. It's now or never. So he tells them, guys, 
it takes, listen, Israel drifted and shifted because she was rebellious. She would not receive the testimony that was coming forth. Many people who end up abandoning their Christianity, abandon it because they would not listen to the testimony, what was coming from above. Their pride, their arrogance, their rebellion attacks you so that you can't speak the testimony coming forth. So what other options do you have? You must keep speaking, they must decide. The prophet never stopped speaking. He kept on speaking. Can you imagine being a prophet? And you're thinking, God, have you got any good news to tell him? No, just tell him he's gone tomorrow. He's gone. She's dead. They're gone. God, do you realize how hard this is getting? Shut up. Just keep speaking. It's not an easy life being a prophet. It's hard. But he had to keep speaking because God needed the mouth to declare. And people had to keep deciding, just like you, have to keep choosing to to agree, to embrace to rise with the testimony that's coming from above. You have to. You'll never take the mountains of God without it. Her captors demanded songs. So here we go. Let's put it in a modern day context. You're the rebellious. You're the proudful. You're the one who doesn't receive the testimony. And this morning we're saying, go on, just take a drink. Give him a drink. We look like your captors now. Because we're the one asking you to sing a song. You're in a barren place, a dry place, a rebellious place, a stubborn place with God. And because we're trying to bring you over here, we look like your captors. We're not your captors. We're the liberators. Because we carry that which is coming from above. But people who are not in that place, look at the pastor or the leaders or the ones who are leading, encouraging the people. You're our captor. It's your fault. And they attack you. It's great. Pastors have to wear Keflon jackets for the bullets that get fired. But it's okay. The arrows, the arrows, that they can't pierce. If you've got truth, they don't pierce you. Amen? Because if they pierce you, you'll take your bow up and you'll fire back. That's not what it's about. Yeah? You see, when God said to them, when, they, when the captors told them to sing the songs of Zion, all they could do is have a fond memories of the place they'd left. They did not realize they had left God. That's the problem they had there. There was no recognition, no understanding. They'd left and abandoned the Father. We've just left sweet Jerusalem. It's amazing how many Scotsmen and how many Irishmen Sing about the homeland in different parts of the world. And at certain parts of the year, Hogmanay or St. Patrick's Day, all of a sudden we get, patri- we get patriarchal and we sing, oh, the mountains over here and the glens are over there. Well, if you love it so much, go back home. <laughs> and everyone's got this affection for this land that they left. They left for a better life. Yes. It's amazing. So many cultures are moving around the world and on an emotional day, they stand up and their hearts sink with what's the memories of the past. Israel, you've got a problem. It's not where you've left, it's who you walked away from. 
Well, I remember when I was in Bethel all those years ago. I remember when I was in the Dream Center all those years ago. And look at me now. Lives, something went wrong. No, darling, it's not where you left, it's who you left. It's who you walked away from. It's what caused you to leave. Your pride, your stubborn, your rebellious attitude, whatever. If you're in a worse place, then you leaving couldn't have been right. It's true. Because you should know by the fruit. But guess what? When you're in that place, you don't see clarity because the light's not there. So God is merciful. God allows the light to keep shining. You see, take the prodigal son. The curtains were drawn on his life. The prodigal son had no light. Why? Because he wouldn't listen to his dad. Wouldn't listen to his father. So they were drawn on his life. And through his obsession to have his physical... Listen to me now. Through his obsession to have his physical needs met his physical needs, he ended up in disaster. It became his obsession. What did he want to do? He wanted to go and drink, taste women, do what he wants. And it, con- and it resulted in him having no fulfillment. True? So in Luke 15, 16, he longed to fill his stomach. Is that a physical need? Is that a human need? Right, how many people, not saying this was of him, but how many people are moved by gluttony? I used to travel with someone that you couldn't travel with him unless his stomach was first appeased. Seriously. I said to Phil, that's the first and last time I'll ever travel with this man. He will never travel with me again. Why? Because my, I'm not getting super spiritual here, but this is the verse that came into my mind. You know, the kingdom's not about eating and drinking. But it was for him. And everything was about food, drink, make life easy. We're on mission here. And what all he wants to do is go and eat food and eat and drink and be satisfied. Gluttony is still a sin. But you never hear people talk about it. Because most of the preachers are fat. Just being honest. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? So he's still thinking about food. And here I am starving to death. And I will go out and get back to my father and say to my father, I've sinned all of a sudden now. Something from his stomach changed. From his stomach, something changed. From his physical needs, something changed. And all of a sudden, he realized as he's approaching back, Father was the issue, not his stomach. Think about it. In, it's like he doesn't even give you a run up to it. It just changes. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned. Something's changed in that dialogue there. And he's thinking it's gone from his stomach to actually... Maybe my starvation is due to my sin. Me leaving my father's house has brought poverty and hunger into my heart. 
And the only way, now light shone on his path the moment he came back. Something brought him to his senses. God will use your physical needs to arrest you. But your physical need is not the issue. Your physical need will only reveal what's not right in your heart. And God will begin to show you. That's why if you pray, Lord, every time I hear your word, you've, you've exposed my thoughts, my attitudes, and my opinions. If you do that, then God can lead me to what the real issues are. And the kingdom can come. Amen? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Made me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Thank God the light shone on his path, the revelation in his heart of what it was, what was the real issue. Not just his physical needs, but it was his heart. Are you getting this? God will see. God has to send the light onto our path. So let's bring this thing to a wrap because there's a lot more I could say, but I won't say. And you all said amen. It's your own fault. You don't know what you're going to miss. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning. Just pause there before you go anywhere else because I'm being arrested as I read this. I said to you, what did you lose and what did you gain in 2014? Let me give you another one. Why don't you find where you started? What is the beginning in your life look like? What did it look like the first day you came to Christ? Where was your beginning? Define your beginning and, and keep there. Remind and remember yourself what the beginning looks like. Because everybody needs a beginning. Because time and time, God will take you back to the beginning. But if you've never begun, you've never got a defining point in your life. And this is the problem with so many Christians. You can't do anything with them because they've never got a defining point. I do, I'm, a bit, I'm in, I'm out, I'm shaking all about. I do the okie-cokie and I turn around. That's what it's all about. Mm. No, it's not. There must be a beginning. Because if you go wayward, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to walk you through and we're going to teach you the principles of how to progress. If your beginning never enabled you to progress, it may be how you begun was the problem. Yeah? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me this. That which was in the beginning, what, which we have heard, what did you hear at the beginning? What we've seen with our own eyes. Well, what have your eyes seen? What have your eyes seen? That which we've looked at. Well, what have you looked at? What have you seen in your Christian journey? It might need altering. It might speak and it might encourage you. Good. You know, before I came to this church, I didn't see anything. My Christianity was boring, bland and religious. I didn't see anything of Christ. I got saved and that was a wonderful experience. I saw the full, I had, the translation on the mountain. Transfiguration, I should say. My salvation was glorious. But when I got into church, it's like, is this the same place? God showed me something outside of church that he didn't show me in church. Okay? So, I was on, so there I was, I saw something, but my, I didn't see anything beyond that. I didn't hear about discipleship. I didn't know you could grow. There was no one there to tell me. And when there was somebody there to tell me how to grow, I resisted it. 
because I spent so long without it, I thought I didn't need it. And then light has to shine on my path to show me what I needed. And when, when light began to shine, I really felt that I began my journey in Christ in this church. So I've been raised in this church. I was humble, still am. I had to let someone's hands come upon me. And they did. I was discipled, I was mentored, and I'm now being fathered. There's no one in this church can tell me that path is the wrong path. Thank God, God allowed me to go through that. But so many people have not got a beginning. So that which our hands have looked at, sorry, our hands, get it wrong, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it. Wow. And we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This whole revelation that they'd received over a period of time. This wasn't a moment. This was a journey. They encapsulated. We have seen it. We have touched. We have heard. We continue to see it. We continue to touch it. We continue to hear. We continue to proclaim it. Why? So that our joy can be complete. It wasn't a one-off. It was a continuous seeing, touching, hearing, proclaiming. That is the revelation that must fall upon your life. So you can keep hearing, keep seeing, keep touching, keep proclaiming. There's got to be a testimony in your life. And I don't mean what Jesus did. It's what Jesus is doing. Some people only have one testament. I got to say, once I was blind, now I can see. And now they become blind. They continue to be blind. Why? Because that, that was one level of light. There was a light that shone on Paul that it was so bright he couldn't, he couldn't stand up. He couldn't see it. There was a light that shone on the Mount of Transfiguration. There was a glory that Moses couldn't touch. Right? Salvation opens your eyes. It doesn't close your eyes from the light. But there are degrees of glory and degrees of light that you can't see. That God has to open your eyes spiritually so you can stand and see what's, what's going on. Amen? There has to be a light in this church so that we can bring those in darkness into our light. So that when the light penetrates and what, through what we're seeing, through what we're hearing, through what we're touching, if it can penetrate someone's darkness... Heaven can seem real. We have our testimony in the house. Our testimony is the God is still speaking. This is our testimony. Amen? But we've got to let this testimony become our reality and become our demonstration. So the author and the origin of the revelation is continuous. Is stable, is reliable, is dependable. Why? Because he's, strong, he's got a strong emotional core. There is a fresh hearing for you today if you want it. There is a fresh vision for you today if you so desire it. There is a fresh laying hold of him if you really, really, truly desire him. He's making himself available. There's a fresh revelation of his word which will produce a life in you. Amen? There's a fresh testimony for you here today. There's a fresh advancement. 
so as to bring others into the same dimension of advancement that you've entered. There's a fresh purpose. There's a fresh light. There's a fresh optimism. There's a fresh opportunity if that's what your heart so desires. You prayed a very powerful prayer when you stood up. Did you not? You said, Lord, expose me. You said, Lord, highlight my opinions if they're wrong. I re- I, you said, Father, as I read and receive your word today, may it become living, active, and sharp within me. You said, let my heart and my attitude be exposed for what they really are. You expose my heart so that every thought, attitude, and opinion that is secretly hidden becomes uncovered. What has God uncovered to you today? Father, when you show me these things, I promise to boldly approach the throne of grace so as to give you an honest, open, transparent account of myself. So let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. Physical needs, we all have them. And we will continue to have them because they're part of life. But sometimes what we perceive to be the main issue is not the main issue. God just allows it so that it will lead to a door where it will expose the real you. What is the desire behind wanting those things? needing those things, pursuing those things. As your heart is exposed through the light of the revelation that's coming, only God and the Holy Spirit can show you you. No man can show you. Only God can show you because it's his light. Your father loves you. Your father's totally devoted towards you, your heavenly father. Jesus Christ is on the throne. He's willing you, he's interceding for you to step in to something new. This is his proclamation for you for 2015. Step out of the old and step into the new. The old priesthood is gone with all its regulations and traditions. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're a a people belonging to God so that you may declare the praises of him who's called you. Amen. This is his will towards this house. In fact, it's the will towards the body of Christ. But this is the will I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing this now because this is the emphasis of heaven right now for us. The kingdom has to come this year in your life. God is trying to take you from the sidelines and bring you onto the field. But many of you lost some things in 214 and you don't know why or what. Many of you obtained things in 2014, but you're still maybe not sure why or what caused that. Please, please define them. Please define. Stop trying to advance. If you've not put what's wrong right, you're advancing towards yourself. You're going around in a circle. Amen? You must learn. So if you will raise your hands. We've had an incredible day today in God's house. His presence has been really strong upon our lives. I see no reason now for God not to complete his work. We have every confidence that Father God has brought us and is bringing us to a place where he wants to deepen his work into our lives. He's been merciful in in, in appearing to us in his presence. He's been merciful to us in sharing his light and his word to us. Why? 
Would he do those things if he didn't want us to take a step closer? So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to take a step closer into his will for our lives. Acknowledge 2014. For good or for bad. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge that you need to come into this greater light. Acknowledge you want this light shining from above. Please don't ask God to get you out of your circumstances. Ask him to reveal himself through the circumstances. Because if you go through the circumstances, but don't change it, don't learn anything, you'll repeat the circumstance again. Learn The circumstance is there for you to learn. We don't want it, but it's needed. So embrace it. In the midst of the congregation, I will declare, Father, you are good. You're light. I need your light. I need a year's revelation to take me above. That which is coming from above must stay above my life. Amen? So come on, just begin to talk to the Lord. And what you've heard this morning, just talk to the Lord. We don't need music. Worship has begun right now. You're talking. I have received your word today, Lord. It has been living and active in my life. It has exposed my attitudes. You have exposed my opinions and my thoughts. The things that have been secretly hidden in my life, you've exposed them today, Lord. You're uncovering them right now. The Holy Ghost is uncovering them, Lord. Lord, I promise right now, Lord, that I, would, that I would approach the throne of grace. Lord, here I am. I boldly come before your throne of grace right now, asking you for new light. Lord, I don't want to be in the rat race. I don't want to live my life like I did in 2014, Lord. I want to rise above. I want that revelation that's coming from above to so impact my life that it builds in me and it's strong, stable, emotional core. Come on, pray for that. It's so important. God, birth in me a strong emotional core. Stable core. Oh, Father, I cannot be afford to be tossed, turned, pushed to one side because of circumstances. Lord, give me stability in my spirit and my soul and my body. Give it to me, oh God. Let your light bring stability to my life. Father, I know you're gonna, you're not just gonna do it today, Lord. You're gonna talk me, you're gonna walk me through the process to bring me to this place. It's not just a one abracadabra, it's a process. You're going to teach me by the Holy Ghost. You're going to bring me to this place. This is the discipleship that I need. So I'm healthy in spirit, I'm healthy in soul, I'm stable in my body. Father, every part of me must come to maturity. My opinions, my attitudes, my thoughts must be aligned to your word. From that word, that which is coming from above. This must become my testimony. So birth it in me, O oh God. I give you permission, Holy Spirit. Walk me through this. Show me. Help me, O oh God, when I'm not embracing it. Show me that I'm not embracing it. Show me how to embrace it. Show me how to work with that which is coming from above. Holy Ghost, you are my friend. You are my friend and I want to get to know you more and more. I will pursue you. I will pursue you. So I can understand that which... It's coming from the Father. Lord, this is your desire for my life. And I say, not my will, O God, but your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Go on, church. Just keep talking to him for a minute longer.
Mighty God. You're a generous, gracious, loving God. We don't want to be like the men of Israel who, when we're asked to sing a song, could not muster praise or worship because they were captives. Father, we'll be free. This house will be free to praise, to worship, to bring heaven down. Father, we must be free. I must be free to pursue that. Lord, may my captain never, ever shut down the song of the Lord in me. May my captors never, ever shut down a testimony in me. Father, I'm determined this day, O oh God, that my captor, my sickness, my situation, my circumstance will never shut me down. I'm rising above. Come on, church. Some of you really need to get hold of this. You know it sounds right, but you're not willing to embrace it. You know it sounds right. It is right because it's truth that's coming from above. Come on, let the Holy Ghost convict you. Let him, let him reawaken you this morning to what needs to be done. Stop living like with your head just above the water. Get out of the water then. Learn to get out of the water. Come on, do like David says. Teach me your way, O Lord, then I'll know your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Then I'll teach transgressors how to walk. Oh, come on, rise from the midst of the problem to you becoming a solution, to you becoming a model, to you becoming a testimony for others. Oh, come on, don't, come, don't get wallowed in the water, get bogged down in the water. Rise out the water. How do we do that, pastor? Lay hold of what's being said. And let what's being said lay hold of you. Oh, Father. Father. Holy Ghost. Almighty God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, church. Lay hold of him. Lay hold of him. That's it. New wine. New wine. New wine, oh God. Right now, let new wine flow. Get rid of the old skin.